Nice job, Doug. That was better than Andrew Peterson. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that was awesome. Let's pray together before we go into God's word. Let's pray. Lord, open our eyes this morning so we might see wondrous things in your word. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So Pam and I moved here in 1989 to take the Bible teaching job at Timothy Christian High School. And uh, when we came, we uh, bought a house. We actually have bought three houses in Wheaton since moving here. And all of them have the same theme. They're all fixer-uppers. You know what I'm saying? They all, all were in need of major renovation. The first one was built in 1932. second one was built in 1908. And the one we live in now was built in 1935. In fact, we moved into the house we live in now in, in the summer of 2008. Our kids were still small. The kitchen was six by eight with no dishwasher and many features from the original 1935 kitchen. It was amazing. The basement leaked so much so that every time it rained, it was as if you put a faucet in the wall and you could sit there and put a cup and hold, you had cups all over the place catching the water that was pouring through the walls. Super exciting. Um, the floors reminded you of 1960, kind of, in the bathroom. I remember the one bathroom was all pink. Pink tile, pink tub, pink fixtures, pink everything. I'm sure back in 1935, that was like uptown. It wasn't so great in 2008. The yard was a combination of overgrown forest and a garden that had been left to die for years. It was just kind of a giant garden. There was even a basketball court in the back. The asphalt had all been uh, crumbled, and there was weeds growing up through all of it, all over the place. Um, it was something. I remember after about two weeks of living there, our oldest daughter, Lena, she was about eight years old, maybe eight. I guess she was about 12. She came to my wife, and she said to my wife, um, Mom, moving here was a bad idea. <laughs> we should have stayed where we were. Where we were. <laughs> She's right. Now, in order to buy a place like this, you've got to have vision. You've got to have vision that you can actually renovate this place into something that is actually worth living in. You can make a home out of this. I don't have that vision, but my wife is incredible at this vision. In fact, I would call my wife a creative genius. When she sees these places, immediately she starts drawing on napkins how she would remodel it, what she would do, and how she'd make it work, and how she'd make it all new. Right? It was crazy. You know, back in 2008, you know, it was the crisis of the housing market. So we moved right in the middle of that. And all the builders had no jobs, and we were planting a church, so we had tons of money, you know, just pouring out of our ears. And uh, I remember this guy came to our church who was a builder, and he came in, he started going to church with us, and pretty soon became evident that he had no work. He had had to close his company because building had gone south, and we had been checking into what it was going to take to renovate this property, and thought, oh, we're never going to be able to afford this. And lo and behold, I sat down with this guy and said, hey, you need a job, I need a builder, can we come together and do this? And he agreed, and we, we renovated this house over the next 10 months. It was crazy, crazy time. Now, the word, the root word of renovation in Latin, re means again, and novari means to make new. So literally, when you renovate something, you are making it new again. You're restoring it to a better state. You're bringing life, vigor, vitality, wholeness to something that has been run down or messed up. When I read the book of Revelation, the passage from today, chapter 21, it reminds me of the word renovation. It reminds me of my house renovation projects that I've done three times now. Look at this first verse. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. 
I love this. This is like the culmination of God's great renovation project. This project began before time began. Before time began. You say, wait a minute, Klein, what are you talking about? Because God wasn't surprised in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve took from the tree and disobeyed him. He was not surprised in the least. He knew this was coming. So he made a plan before time began to deal with it and involved Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, being made into a man, dying and raising, rising from the dead so that this great renovation project could, be, could happen. And in fact, God knew that the good that would come out of this renovation would be greater than the good he could create in the first place. He knew the vitality and life, the shalom, would be even more amazing from the renovation that would happen through resurrection from the dead. I love that. Now this idea of a new heaven and a new earth, this is deeply embedded in Jewish thought. Look at Isaiah. He talks about it twice. Look, I'm creating new heavens and a new earth. No one will even think about the old ones anymore. Think about that. Someday, we won't even remember this. Because the new heaven and new earth will be so amazing that we'll just be like, whoa! Look at Isaiah 66. He says again, As surely as the new heavens and new earth will, re will remain, so will you always be my people with a name that will never disappear, says the Lord. All humanity will come to worship me from week to week and month to month. Fits in with Psalm 148. All humanity will be praising the Lord in this new heaven and new earth. In addition to the scripture, lots of Jewish apocalyptic books written between the scriptures, between the Old and New Testament, talk about this new heaven and new earth. The book of Enoch, written in 200, 300 B.C., look what he says. I will transform the heaven and make it an eternal blessing and light. I will transform the earth and make it a blessing. There will be a new creation accomplished which will endure to eternity. The mighty one will shake creation only to renew it. Sometimes our vision of heaven is this almost cartoonish vision of these spirits floating around and has nothing to do with the reality we live in now. The promise of Revelation is this is going to be made new. New heaven, new earth. This is going to be a renovation project completed to the nth degree. It's going to be amazing, right? It's going to be totally renovated. Now, um, the Bible paints a picture of this resurrection, including physical places, physical bodies. I always tell people, in, in the new heaven, new earth, you won't need a plane because you're going to be made like Jesus. Jesus could pop from place to place. Remember that? So if you never got to Australia in this life, it's okay. You get to Australia in the next life. It's going to be awesome. If you didn't make it to Europe in this life, you get to just pop yourself over there in the next life because you'll have your resurrected body just popping around. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Now it goes on here. There's other places in the scripture that talk about this. This earth, in order to be renovated, has to be purified first. So look at what first, look at what 2 Peter says. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. The elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Now that verse you say, that sounds a little bit intense. Well, folks, when you do a renovation project, you've got to tear things down first before you can build them up. You should have seen my house in 2008. The whole back of it was off, gone. They tore it completely off. You could have walked in my basement and taken all my stuff. 
We were living upstairs in three bedrooms with a bathroom. The main floor was destroyed. The back of the house was gone. And the basement had our stuff in it, our TV and stuff. One morning, we woke up, it's 40 degrees in the house. Again, my daughter, Lennon, was thinking this is a bad idea to move in this place, right? But when you do renovation projects, you have to tear it down first before you can build it up. God doesn't have to tear this earth down first before he can build it up. So you have to melt it, turn, tear it apart, uh, break it down for the renovation project to take full root in the earth. Now, John keeps, keeps describing in Revelation 21 this amazing new heaven and new earth. Look what he says. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. So God's renovation project continues. It's now pictured as a holy city. Think about it. The Bible begins in a garden. It ends in a city. It makes some contextual sense because this letter is being written to people that live in cities. But this city, is this really a city? Is actually, are, we, are we actually going to see Jerusalem coming down from heaven? Is that what it means? Literally? No, this is probably a symbol of, of the church perfected. The church of Jesus Christ, the people of God, perfected, renovated. Can you imagine? That, you know, sometimes the church can be kind of a bride that's not always, like, great, right? You ever experienced a not-so-great part of church? Or is it just me? Because humans are involved, right? We, humans mess up everything. So the church sometimes gets messed up. But this church, this bride is going to come down. It's going to be the perfected, finalized, renovated church of Jesus Christ coming down. And this description, if you want to read more about this church, you can read Revelation 21, verses 10 through 21. I'll give you a couple of those. Look at these. And he carried me away in the spiritual mountain, great and high, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, as clear as crystal. Now John is describing images he is seeing that are beyond description. I mean, imagine having visions of like this otherworldly place and trying to describe it to your friends. What would you do? You'd probably use stuff to say it's like this, it's like that, it's like this. Jerusalem was the place where the temple was, where the presence of God used to dwell. The glory of God was there. The people of Israel understood this. But he's trying to describe this heavenly place using these stones and these jewels and these places. And he's talking about this amazing renovation that God is completing on planet Earth. Right? This city is coming down, this perfected city. This would have resonated with every Jewish Christian, every Jewish person, every Jewish believer. It was all the way from Ezekiel through Haggai. All the prophets talked about this renovated Jerusalem was going to come down and join them. Now you say, why should I care, Klein? What does it mean? Who cares? Well, look at the next. Let's, let's review verse 3. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among the people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. I know, can you, can you imagine this? God with us. The word is tabernacling among us, living with us all the time. Like, you don't have to go look for him. He's not behind a veil somewhere. You don't have to go through a priest. God is like hanging out with us all the time. You have total access to him all the time. We've only gotten glimpses of this here on planet Earth. 
You ever been in a church service where this strange silence falls over everyone? And it's like, it's not just quiet, it's like there's a full silence, like something else is in the room. That's the presence of God. You ever been in a place, you know, I, I can think of a camp I've been to where high school kids are just worshiping insanely for no reason at all, except that something must be in the room that is causing them to act like this. They've dropped all of their inhibitions and their concerns about each other, and they're just praising the Lord. So we've gotten small glimpses of this. Can you think of a time in your life when you knew God was with you? Beyond the shadow of a doubt, you experienced his big P presence like he was in the room with you? Well, heaven is going to be all the time. God with you all the time. Never absent. Always there. Always next to you. Always there. The silence, the, the praise, the whole thing's going on all the time. I mean, I can't even get my head around this. It's mind-blowing. And then, look what happens because God is there. Verse 5. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things will be gone forever. So Monday morning... At my house, there was a little girl from down the street. She came over because she was struggling. She started her morning in not such a great way. And she sat on my couch. She's in fourth grade. She's 10. She sat on my couch with big crocodile tears pouring out of her face. I watched my wife wipe the tears from her eyes. Like only a mom can do. You know, dads, we just say, put some dirt on it. <laughs> but my wife was wiping the tears from her eyes. And I was reading about this passage. I was thinking about this passage. And I was thinking, this is going to be God someday. Wiping the tears from every one of our eyes. We all know what it's like to cry in deep sorrow for the losses, the scarcity, the stuff that goes on in this life that's not the way it's supposed to be. Someday, when God is with us, that's going to be gone forever. Erased. Even death. I remember the first time death became super real to me was my grandma Klein's funeral. I was probably like 10 years old. I remember sitting there. I saw my dad cry for the first time in my life at that funeral. It was his mom that had died. I remember sitting in my chair she was there. There was a casket open. They came and closed the casket. I remember just completely losing it. Just sobbing like a crazy person. Because I remember thinking, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Something's got to change. Something's got to give. Right? So this is amazing. God with us, wiping our tears. No more death. No more sorrow. No more pain, no more nonsense, no more suffering. It's all gone. It's all wiped away. It all disappears. Now, this is really a passage that talks about hope. Where do you put your hope? As you see here this morning, where is your hope? I mean, you could put it in the government. Most of us have given up on that. You could put it in your money. 
You could put it in your education, your smarts, your ability to do some amazing things. And all those things are, you know, probably worth some hope. But when you ultimately think about it, where will you put your hope? And these last two verses of this passage this morning point us to that place. Look what they say. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And he said to me, write this down. For what I tell you is true and trustworthy. He also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. Everything new. Total and complete renovation. I can tell you, my house has been renovated. Not everything's new. But this particular new earth, totally brand new. Everything. Totally renovated. Living water for everybody. Living water, what makes living water so amazing, it comes to you from God. You don't have to dig a well into the ground for a while. You don't have to make a cistern to hold it. It just comes to you. God brings it to you. That's living water. So you get living water, everybody gets it. It's amazing. You know, when I think about this too, uh, it makes me think of a couple things. First of all, guess what? We, the church of Jesus... We get to partner with God in the renovation. You're like, what? Yeah, we are partnering with God in the renovation. When we're building gardens in Lambstand and in Lawndale, where there's no gardens, where there's guns and cement and lack of hope, we get to bring hope through garden boxes in that, in that little parking lot there by the Wyman Center in, in West Lawndale. We get to partner with God. Chris Landcamp, that was the guy in there talking, in case you know the guy with the sunglasses and with the weird shirt, all sweaty. That was Chris Landcamp. He is the guy who was called to work there in that place. I asked him to give us a thing, tell us what we were doing. This is what he told me. Because he knows we're partnering with God in everything we do. So guess what? We have a message to partner with God. We have our hands and feet to partner with God. We have a place. We can, we can get involved in the renovation project. Now there's some things we can't do under our own power. There's things only God can do. But that doesn't absolve us from getting involved in the renovation project, the project that God has called us to, to, to become part of it. Won't it be cool someday? You know, I can tell you, in my house, I did the floors at my house. My wife wanted these floors that were going to cost way too much money, and my builder said, Klein, you can do these. Just go to Home Depot, buy this wood, and do, we'll, I'll show you. So I remember after a sermon like this, I went home, and I worked on this kitchen floor for like... 12 hours till 2 in the morning. My wife kept me going. At the, I got to the door. It was angles. I was like, honey, I can't do this. She's like, you can do it. You can do it. And I kept going. And I partnered with this builder in my renovation project. I can tell you today, it's awesome. I get to walk in that house and go, I did that. I made those floors. He told me I did them. What will you get to be able to say about how you helped God in a renovation project? Who will be in the new heaven because you told them about Jesus? Who will be there because you showed them the love of God? How will you participate? Or are you going to just be sitting there going, I don't know, it was amazing to watch. I just didn't get involved. We got to get going. This is the church. We're the bride of Christ. Let's participate. Now there are some things we won't be able to do, but it's going to be super cool to watch God do them. As you all know, I have a brother who lives in a wheelchair. 
He'll be 49 in a couple weeks. He spent 49 years in that wheelchair. Even though I had dreams of training him to be a pro baseball player and a pro hockey player and a bunch of other pro player things, he was going to do a lot of pro leagues. That was my brother and I. We had, we had, we had visions. We knew he was going to be a boy, and we had visions of making this kid into what we could never be. We had a whole training program outlined for him. And then he was born and couldn't walk. That kind of stunk. I've, I've gone golfing with Chris. He has a, a, ball with, a rubber ball with a rubber band. He shoots it with his foot down the thing. And he goes down the fairway and we just golf. And then he putts with his feet. Not exactly how it's supposed to be played, but it works. You know what I can't wait for? My brother's new body. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be running through heaven together. Playing basketball, golf, whatever. I don't know. He'll probably beat me over and over again. It doesn't matter. I won't care. Because I'll be running with my brother Chris having this amazing all things new experience. Because Chris will be all new. Totally able-bodied, running through heaven, no wheelchair. That's going to be amazing. Can you hope on that with me? All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this vision that you gave John. Help us to grab onto it. Help us to hope in it. Help us, Lord, to participate with you in building it. That's your invitation to us. In your name, Jesus, we pray.